Welcome to the podcast of Saltbox Church, where we are passionate about helping people into authentic and significant relationship with King Jesus. Good morning, everyone. I want to look into the camera and say good morning, too, for those of you who uh, maybe are tuning in online or uh, even after the fact. You guys are the brave few. Who saw Midnight last night? Wow, okay, okay, come on. Who didn't see Midnight last night? All right, all right, that's me. I haven't seen, I mean, I looked at each other and went, I don't know that we've seen Midnight on a New Year's Eve in like a decade. Um, That's embarrassing to say, isn't it? But we just, you know, we crawled in bed and went, Happy New Year, here we are. (laughs) Okay, Um, I am in um, Acts 12, um, and I am talking about something that's really hard maybe to talk about. It's actually not that hard to talk about, but it might be funny or foreign to you. But I'm going to talk about fasting. Everybody groan. Oh, that sounds just terrible, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness. This, what is this guy talking about? You can go ahead and tune me out. You don't have to listen to anything else I say all day. All right, um, so what we want to do is I want to actually take you into the Scripture. I want to look at fasting um, related to a particular church in the Scriptures. Um, And then I'm actually calling us as a church to a 21-day fast. Okay, now here's the deal. There are, and and I actually printed you, you have a little sheet next to you. If you didn't get that sheet, you can raise your hand and we'll try to get you on. If you don't have a pen, raise your hand and we'll try to get you on any hands. Everybody seemed to have one. Okay, so here's what, the reason I did that sheet is because I want to demystify fasting at the end of the message. I want to simplify it, and I'm not saying it will be easy. I don't think it'll be easy, but I think there's some more simple ways that we as a church can fast rather than just drinking water for 21 days. Although some of you might be real hardcore and want to do that, okay? That's fine. I'm not going to. Now, uh, so I want to tell you a little bit about my journey before we jump into Acts 12. Um, but I uh, walked with the Lord um, as a young man, grew up in a, in a Christian home. Um, and really by my late teenage years, I'd, I'd started this ministry at a high school actually here in town, Hoggard High School. And we had, a, I don't know, 100 kids sometimes coming out for a little service that we would do during lunch on Wednesdays. It was really neat. Um, but I inadvertently, I think, thought that much of my um, sort of power for my Christian life came from, I got this, okay? Um, And what I discovered as I headed into college, and I'm not going to go into my whole testimony, but I hit a real, um, I was kind of sideswiped, if you will, and I hit a real dark patch from 19 um, to 26 or 27. And I've spent, it's been 15 years, I've spent 15 years um, sort of walking out of that um, difficult place, um, healing, recovering. Um, We're all recovering, by the way. If you don't know who you are, it's okay. We'll tell you later. Uh, But I've spent a number of years um, recovering from that. And and what I learned, or some of the things that that became powerful to me, were some simple tools that didn't help me earn the love of God. I wasn't trying to earn the love of God, but I was rather trying to sort of shuck some of my humanness so that I could receive more of the love of God or walk more powerfully with Jesus or abide more fully in the person of Christ. Does that make sense? So one of the things that I've done um, over these years of just sort of my own recovery journey is uh, fasted. And I've done a lot of different types of fasts. I've done full liquid fasts. Oh my goodness. Um, I've fasted things like sugar, I fasted things like um, wine. I like a gr- glass of red wine. 
Um, I fasted, uh, I've done liquid fasts, I've done a number of different fasts, but what I have found, I want to sort of share with you, I want to open this world of fasting, and then I want to call us as a church to 21 days of fasting from next Sunday, that's the 8th, to the 29th. And I think I put on your sheet, sundown, sunset on the 28th, that's dinner time, excuse me, on the 8th, to dinner time on the 29th, is that right? Yes. Um... Does that sound good? Y'all are all looking at me like, give me another groan. Uh, all right, come on. Now say, I can do this. All right, Lord Jesus. All right, so here we go. Um, Acts 12, I'm going to start in verse 24. If you've hung out with us for any length of time, you've heard me talk about this church. It's one of my favorite churches in the New Testament. It's called the Church of Antioch. Um, and here is what it says about Antioch. Uh, Acts 12, verse 24. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. <clears throat> you probably have to keep that on, Pedro, yeah, because we're, we're writing. Uh, verse 25, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now, 13, verse 1. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, uh, so Barnabas is a Jewish guy from the island of Cyprus, um, very interesting. Um, Simeon called Niger, so Niger's a Roman last name, so he's probably a cultured guy, but he's probably African, so dark-skinned. Um, Lucius of Cyrene, it's my personal belief that Lucius is also Simon of Cyrene that carried the cross of Christ down the Via Dolorosa to Golgotha. Um, and then Mayan, um, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, so he was like, um, I don't know, an aristocrat, wealthy um, is that the way he would have grown up? And then Saul, who wrote much of the New Testament. Okay, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and... Oh, my goodness, people fast. I don't want to do this Christian thing. <laughs> okay, while they were worshiping the Lord, say worshiping the Lord, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, Paul and Barnabas, and sent them off. Now, quickly, um, the church in Antioch is, in, by all accounts and estimations, the most powerful New Testament church. And the reason they are is because they send Paul. It is the place from which Paul leaves on his missionary journeys, or Saul, as they're referring to him here, um, and the place to which he returned. So they become the sort of epicenter of Christianity. If we were in a seminary class, they'd call it the cradle of Christianity. Okay, It's the place. So there's this transition from the church in Jerusalem after Pentecost to the church in Antioch, and the church in Antioch becomes this center hub. Now, I'd, I'd probably say there's four or five different reasons why, and we're just going to focus on one, fasting and prayer. Um, but number one, I'm just going to give you these because uh, it, it there's a diversity of leadership in the church in Antioch. Powerful. Um, the second thing they're doing is they're worshiping together. Could that have included instruments? Yeah. Could that have included um, just reciting the Old Testament Psalms? Could that have included just hearts that were postured to worship King Jesus? Absolutely. Um, was it limited to uh, musical, song, and singing, and instruments? No. Okay, so this is a worshiping church, all right? Get that. This is a worshiping church. Um, 
and then uh, worshiping the Lord and fasting. And so anytime fasting is in the Bible, it's also connected with prayer. Um, so a, they have a diversity of leadership. They're a worshiping church. They're a fasting and praying church. And they're always focused on their sending capacity rather than their seating capacity. It's about what they can um, give. In fact, this mission that Paul and Barnabas are returning from was actually to carry a bunch of money that the people had given out of their own bank accounts to help another church in another city. Pretty cool. So uh, let's, let's open this idea then. Um, if the church in Antioch becomes the cradle of Christianity, the wrestle point for me is why were they and how can we mimic and model that? Right? Okay, so if this key, or if a key to them being the cradle of Christianity, one of the most powerful churches in the New Testament, is that they're a fasting and praying or a worshiping and fasting church, then there must be something there that's substantial for us as New Testament believers. Yeah? Are y'all with me? All right, come on, we're in a smaller room today. I can see you, so you can answer. Okay. All right, so... The question then is, so let's, let's read it again, 13 verse 2. While they were worshiping, perhaps they had instruments, perhaps they were singing, we don't know. And, and who's the they here? The who? Okay, so who's the church? While the pastor was worshiping, he was being holy and praising God. Does it say that? What does it say? Who's the church? Say it again. Who's the church? Some of y'all are like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> Listen to me. What defines a church is so much more than the pastor or even the leadership. The church as a body is together worshiping the Lord and fasting. Whoa. This is novel. It cuts against some of our American version of Christianity. Okay, let's open this up. Worshiping the Lord and fasting. Okay, so um, I used to guide outdoor trips. Um, and if, if we were on an outdoor trip um, and I was guiding you on a whatever, backpacking or rock climbing, I'd say, hey, this is challenge by choice. Okay? So that means if you don't want to do it, what? You don't have to. Fasting is challenge by. But here's the deal. I would like you, and I'm calling you as a church to join me in this, and I'm going to give you some really practical, um, simple tools that you can access this and make this easier to understand and implement. Okay? All right. First, let's talk about why fasting. Um, you know, I, it, biblically, there's a number of things we could look at. We could also look at 2 Corinthians 11.27 in the New King James Version. Um, Paul talks about fasting there. We could look at Matthew 17.21, Mark 9.29. That's all in your, in your notes that you got. Um, you can look that up separately. We could talk about Jesus on fasting. Jesus, before he started his ministry, you know what he did? He fasted. Anybody know for how many days? And it would appear he didn't even drink water. I'm not advocating that for you. We'll have an ambulance at your house and an IV in your arm, I'm sure. So please don't do that. Um, we could also talk about Moses and fasting. Fasting is this, this thing that goes from Genesis to Revelation. But what's really important to note as we open this is fasting is not a way by which you earn your salvation or you earn um, the pleasure of God. Fasting is more a way by which we set aside some of our humanness so that we can access more of the love of God. Does that make sense? It's very, very important delineation. Um, so, 
Uh, <clears throat> let's just open it up. Number one, if you've got your pen and you've got your little notes, I haven't done this in a long time. Um, but biblically, fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual and relational purpose. Biblically, fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual and a relational purpose. Our primary purpose um, as a church who fasts is to fix our eyes on Jesus, to listen and to hear his voice, to listen to the direction of God. Um, And it's probably also important to assess the motives by which you're actually fasting. So let's open that up in our Western thing for just a minute. If you're fasting to look better in your clothes... Is that a fast? Um, I actually pulled a quote from somebody. Let's see here if I can find it. Um, if our, this is Richard Foster. Any of you have ever read him? But he says, if our fasting is not unto God, we have failed. Physical benefits, success in prayer, the ending with power, spiritual insights, these must never replace God as the center of our fasting. So, am I inviting you into... A 21-day fad diet for 2023? No. No. Will there always be side benefits of fasting? Yes. It is what it is. But check your heart motive, okay? That's the the main point here. Check your heart motive. Okay, Uh, number two. Fasting helps us realize the things that control our lives other than the Lord Jesus. You know, I'm always up here talking about um, surrendering. And even if you look at our church mission statement, it's leading people to become fully surrendered disciples of Christ. And whether you know it or not, many of us surrender to things or give our lives to things that aren't Jesus. So what does fasting do? Well, it helps us um, recognize or realize the things that control our lives than the Lord Jesus. Third thing, Fasting from any food nourishment for any season of time sets the stage for God to appear. If you want God to appear in your life, if you want a life that's more full of his person and his presence, I'd encourage you to open this door. Think of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom... Come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so fasting begins to posture your heart. Does it change God's heart towards you? No. Does it change his love for you? No. Does it change um, his affection for you? No. You can't do anything to increase or decrease. Hear me. You can't do anything to increase or to decrease the love God has for you in Christ Jesus. He's already done it all. Fasting is not to um, earn that or work that up. It merely sets the stage in your humanness to begin to engage more fully with uh, the king. Number four. Before I go to four, let me make another statement here. Um, In my spiritual journey... I have times and seasons where my heart gets um, dry or crunchy uh, or, I mean, if you used a Bible word, it'd probably be hardens towards God. You know what I'm saying? 
You all feel that? Like, there's just things. There's things that happens. You get hurt. You get disappointed. You get frustrated. You get angry at a brother or sister or somebody at church or the preacher says something that hurts your feelings or, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden, you close up your heart, right? And I am convinced that, that as um, we fast and as we ask God to even search our hearts and open our hearts, that it can actually open us up and set the stage for God not only to appear in our lives but to speak to us. You follow me? I mean, it really creates a hungry, open heart posture by which we can see and hear and respond to the things of heaven. Some of y'all are still like, oh my gosh, he's talking about fasting. Okay. Number four, we fast to keep our allegiance on what we cannot see, the kingdom of God, instead of fixating and focusing on what we can see. How many of us, if you're like me, get fixated and focused on what we can see, what we can control, what we know? We like spreadsheets. We like data. We like to figure it out. We like to have it all under control. And if we don't have it under control, we like to deny it and pretend we do. Yeah, that's most of us. Or maybe we just get anxious about it and go, oh, my gosh. But we fast to keep our allegiance um, on King Jesus, on the larger unseen kingdom of God, so that we can see past and not fixate and focus on things um, that are of lesser importance. Actually, I don't know who uh, watched our Christmas Day message. But one of the things I talked about there is, as a pastor, a lot of times I'll sit with people that are at the end of their life. I've yet to sit with a person at the end of their life who said, I wish I had more in my retirement account. I wish I spent more at the office, more time. I wish I, you know, built a bigger business. I wish I, you get where I'm going? What is happening inside of people at end of life is they're sort of looking back, <clears throat> going many times, I wish I would have focused and fixated on what mattered, relationship with God and usually relationship with people. Yeah. That's what you hear again and again and again. When people stand at the doorstep of eternity, that's what you hear. Number five. Let me say one more thing here. If we as individuals and we as a church desire to see more of heaven on earth, go back to church prayer. If we desire to see more of heaven on earth, if we desire to see more of King Jesus in our lives, if we desire to see more of the Holy Spirit of God activated in our lives, then I think fasting and prayer is actually a significant sort of component to move both us as individuals and us as a church. Go back to Antioch. The church, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, uh, it, it, that is what moves us into a posture and a space and a place where we can begin to hear his voice more fully. And let's open that for just a minute. 13 verse 2, um, back to our text. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, wonder what that was like. So the church is corporately worshiping. They're in a time of fasting. It doesn't say how long. They're in a time of prayer. It doesn't say how long. We don't know if they're gathered in a corporate environment, if they're gathered in homes. We don't know if they're spread out, if they're all together. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says. I wonder if it was audible. I wonder if God spoke to all of their hearts and they all just testified one to another and went, we sense God. 
But what happens is when we as a church begin to do something corporately like fasting, it produces an environment that the very kingdom of heaven cannot and will not resist. Because we're saying, God, would you come in and more fully captivate our attention, captivate our affections, um, transform us uh, inside and allow us to engage more fully in relationship with you and one another. So, uh, you know, I'd even say, um, in fact, Dwayne, you really said it beautifully during worship, but transformation um, is, is way more valuable than resolution. Right? What happens to resolution? Happy New Year's Day. What happens to resolution? Boop. But if you're deeply and truly transformed inside of you, then it shows up in what you're doing. It's just a different way. It's actually a kingdom way of thinking. Okay, where were we? We did number, we're at number five. I'm not good at this fill-in-the-blank stuff. <laughs> um, we fast to regain a sensitivity to Jesus. Number five, we fast because it makes us more keenly sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God so that we're not so obsessed by our American consumer mentality or our American comfort mentality. When you stand up on a stage in front of a church and say, hey, we're all gonna, what it rubs against in every single one of us is we want to be comfortable. This guy's calling me to be uncomfortable. And, and truly, where a lot of people who um, a lot of us, let me say, include myself in that, where we err when it comes to preaching the gospel is we give this idea that if you come to Christ, everything's going to be great, everything will be good, everything's going to work out, um, and people are left to sort of assume that what they want and desire and all their idea of creature comforts are all going to happen. Does God work that way sometimes? He does. But many times God uses actually our discomfort um, to foster true character and relationship with him. That's a scary thing. Just honestly, that's a scary thing. So when I look at um, Christianity, even broader than America, you know, I, I don't think the problem um, is, is one of pain. The problem's one of pleasure. It's like, oh my goodness. When, I mean, I, I still like read through the scriptures and I just rack my brain over Jesus saying to people before he died on the cross to take up your cross and follow him. Like that is mind boggling to me that he would tell a group to take up their and follow him before he even died. They hadn't even seen him take up his cross and he's telling them to take up their cross. It's like this invitation has always been to him to come and die, to come and lay it down. And in the death, in the laying it down, he will resurrect you. And in that resurrection, there will be blessing and favor and goodness um, and purpose and fulfillment and joy and the fruit of the spirit. But it's not always going to look, sound, or feel like you might want it to Look, sound, or feel, which can be hard. So we fast because it makes us more keenly sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God so that we're not so obsessed by our American consumer mentality or our American comfort mentality. Uh, I struggle with Christmas at points because if we're not careful, we train our kids to go, what can I get? It's all about, right? And our 
wonderful, and I love America, love our country, so grateful for our freedoms, but a capitalistic culture actually encourages them to further me, 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 right? So, you know, whether we like it or not, we are in an environment where, and God, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter, so it's not like I think he wants to leave us in discomfort, but he wants to comfort us in our difficulty. He wants to comfort us in our affliction. He wants to comfort us in our pain um, and then call us deeper and further sort of in that relationship with him. Okay, let's keep going here. Let me extend another invitation. If you have been a believer for a long time, you may find yourself with your passion for Jesus waning. You follow me? You may find your heart growing cold or hard towards him. And again, I think this is an opportunity to break through some of that, to open a relationship where you can begin to hear and sense um, him more fully. Okay, number six. We fast to break through the land between. What? We fast to break through the land between. Or if we were in a psychologist or counselor's office, they might call that liminal space. What, what do I mean by that? Um, a lot of us as people, uh, we come to Christ, and if we, we took an Old Testament-like version or look of it, the, the Israelites um, were delivered from slavery and bondage in Egypt, and they're on a journey where? Promised land. Um, but they have to journey through the desert. Is the desert comfortable? No. no. Uh, they have to journey through the desert to find the promised land. Okay, so that's a sort of a picture of even our lives um, in Christ. We come to Christ. We find freedom from our sin and bondage and the death that we've been living. We come to faith in Christ. But then there's often a land between as we're actualizing all the things that God wants to do in our lives. There's also land between um, sort of when he moves you from one place to another place. You're leaving a job moving to a new job. You leave a city, you're moving to a new city. You're leaving a relationship, you're moving to a new place of either singleness or another relationship. Um, your, your kids have just left the home and they're going to college and all of a sudden your home is empty. Like there, there are all sorts of places that become kind of a land between. But many of us as believers, if we were truly honest and we went around the room, you'd go, I need spiritual breakthrough in a particular area in my life. Would you agree? Why do we fast? To... to uh, recognize and move us through the land between, to see and experience the breakthrough of King Jesus um, in that sort of um, liminal space, that, that, that area in between. And if you open that even more, I think the space between often creates anxiety for us, doesn't it? Frustration, fear, anger, distrust for the people around us. Like a lot of our negativity can actually come from the uncertainty and not knowing what's going to happen in this liminal space or the land between. Does that make sense? So why fast? To get through the land between. To break through. I spent, I don't know, I've, I've done a lot of little fasts over my last 15-year journey simply to break through spaces and areas where there was fear, anxiety, frustration, old bondages, old habits, things that I wanted God to break off of me or free me from. And I think that's the real invitation here. As we break through the land between, when you choose to begin a fast, you're doing something out of the ordinary. 
you're breaking out of your routine. You're doing something um, different. Um, y- y- we've all heard the old saying, you can't keep doing the same thing expecting. So just even the idea there is break out of the ordinary, break out of the normal, break out of your rut, break out of the thing that you've done day and night for the last how many years, do something different, and in doing something different, create space and place for King Jesus to break in and through in a supernatural way. That's fasting. That's what it is. It's, a, it's very, very simple in that sense. Um, number seven, a short-term fast will yield long-term Spiritual and relational results. The idea of fasting is that we would learn to know and walk with our creator more fully and embrace relationship with those around us more completely. Make sense? All right. Now, I want to open up just some practicals here for a couple of minutes because fasting is so intimidating, and in retrospect, I might should have started with this (laughs) so that y'all could breathe. All right, so let's talk about this. If you flip over your, or your, I guess your paper's printed on one sheet. It's on the right, right column. Um, five thoughts on choosing how and what to fast. Okay, you can do a liquid fast, like fast everything except for water, juice, broths, you know, whatever. Go 21 days. Um, I'm not going to ask if anybody's ever done that, but that's a, that's a powerful way to fast. Second thing you could do is you could do a water fast. Just think about it. Serious commitment. Uh, The third thing um, you could do is a modified food fast. Okay, so this might be um, that you have a job that requires you to do physical or manual labor. If you have a job like that, can you do a full food fast? Probably not. Like, let's just be real, right? So uh, the third way you could fast, though, is you could do a modified food fast, such as a Daniel fast. That's a reference to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. You could do kind of plant-based foods, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, get rid of sugar and processed foods and alcohol. Okay, that's another option. Um, the fourth thing, fourth way that you could fast is you could just choose to skip a meal. I'm going to skip breakfast for the duration of my 21 days. Okay, I'm just going to skip breakfast. And in place of the time that you would use to make breakfast and cook breakfast and serve breakfast and clean up breakfast, you choose to refocus some of that time and energy onto King Jesus, yeah, simple. You could also choose to skip lunch. You could choose to skip dinner. Um, you know, so as, as Abby and I, it's Abby, my wife, right here in the front, but as Abby and I head into this, what Abby and I will do is we'll actually make um, these decisions together because we have a family and we have little people in our home, right? And it's not easy to do all this in a family situation, family dynamic. So we'll talk about it, and she and I will be fully unified as we head into this. Does that make sense? So we'll do it together in a way that's a win, not only for her, but for me and for our kids. Um, The last thing, number five, uh, just a thought on that you could fast. Fast sugar. You could fast sodas and desserts, and maybe you're a deep southern person and like sweet tea. You could could fast that. You can give that up. Um, If you have a physical job, like Dwayne up here is a mailman. How many miles a day do you walk? Used to be 10. It's less, you got a new route. Okay, so he used to walk 10 miles. So, you know, that's a way he could continue eating as normal um, and just give up sweets. Is that a fast? Yes. Does it fully honor God and engage the things of the Spirit? Yes. Does it fall in under Acts 13 too? While they were worshiping the Lord and 
fasting. It's giving something up to begin to engage more fully with the things of the kingdom of heaven and the things of the Lord Jesus. That's all it is. And then it's refocusing that time and energy onto his sort of person and presence, asking for spiritual breakthrough. And what would happen, like, like go with me here just a second. What would happen if a few people in a church gave themselves to fasting and really seeking God for their personal lives, for their family's life, for their church life, and for their city? Like, what would happen? Like, can you, like, uh, just, just if we as a church began to do things um, and fast in such a way, asking the person and presence of God to be fully revealed and manifest in our personal lives, in our marriages, in our families, and in our city, in our church, and in our city. So I'd say to you, the most important thing is pick something. Um, and if you've never done this, pick something easy. Like, I love the way Dwayne said you know, I set my goal to pay off my house in a year or something, or I, I set my goal to, or my New Year's resolution to lose 20 pounds in two weeks or three weeks or whatever it was. Make it, like, sustainable for you, okay? Give up sweet tea. Give up Coca-Cola. Like, do something that is just a step. Take a baby step and actually ask the Lord to give you um, the internal power and self-discipline um, to walk this thing out and just see what he does. See what he does. Biblically, uh, fasting is related to food, um, but I, I do need to say if you've had a history of mental or emotional health issues um, related to food challenges, you might need to consider doing something other than food fasting. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? Does that make sense? If you've got a, a history of mental or emotional health related to food, don't fast food, fast social media fast news, but you need to know, biblically, fasting is always food-related. just is. Okay, uh, four things to consider before you start fasting. These are on your notes, too. Um, this is just, uh, for me, these are some things that help posture your heart to fully capture the essence of what God wants to do in and through your life in the next 21 days, okay? Um, so number one, I'd say consider adding a five-year journal or a prayer journal to your life. I love a five-year journal. I love it because it's five lines. I can, I can do five lines. I don't like open-ended journals because I always feel bad because the lines never, they never end. They just go and go and go. And I'm like, how much do I need to write? And, you know, so I'm like, but the, I love a five-year journal. It's five lines. I can do this, you know. It's achievable. Um, so you may want to add a five-year um, journal um, or, or, or a regular journal. It's the, I would say that's a great opportunity to practice stillness um, before the pace of the day increases, before all the distractions of the day start and happen. Um, second thing is I would consider writing down the six, eight, or ten reasons. I think I put seven in there, but the reasons you're fasting. So let me tell you what Abby and I will do. We will write a document. And we will print a document or handwrite a document and we'll punch it into our bulletin board in our kitchen. And she and I will commit, this is what we're fasting and praying for. There's going to be some family things. There's going to be some marriage things. There's going to be some kid things. There's going to be some church things. There's going to be some city things. There'll probably also be some personal things for her and I. But we will commit and we will say, this is what we're doing. And the reason we will do that is because functionally, what we're going for is that she and I would be unified in fasting. Even we as a church would be unified in fasting for what God wants, for his will and way for our lives, our marriage, um, our family, our church, and our city. That's the whole idea. It's just kind of simple, really. Yeah? 
Okay. Um, I actually put in the notes here that I gave you. These can be really short, efficient prayers. Like some of y'all get all caught up and I have to sound holy. No, no you don't. Read the Psalms. Like, like, really, read the Psalms. They don't ever sound holy. They're like railing at God in the beginning of at least half the Psalms. Like, really, I can't believe you've done this. You know, read, read um, Lamentations 3. Jeremiah's in a muddy pit, and he's actually yelling at God for breaking his bones and breaking his teeth. Like, really? Like, you don't have to. These don't have to be like these formed prayers, and, you know, you get in a prayer group, and you hear somebody pray, and everything sounds so good, and they're like a prayer ninja or something. They've got it all figured out, right? No, this can be like super short, like Abby and I will have seven, eight, nine things on our list, and I'll just punch through them. Lord Jesus, we're praying this for each of our kids. Boom, 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 boom. Lord Jesus, we're praying this for our marriage. We're praying this for our church. We're praying this for our city. I don't often pray very long. That's true. Our pastor doesn't pray very long. But I've learned to not go very long without praying. Number three, consider adding someone here in our church that you could engage with in community over this thing. So maybe I get to know Jeff back here and I go, Jeff, can you and I talk? Can we text every couple days? How you doing? I'm fasting, whatever, sugar. And you just check in. Maybe I get on the phone with him once or twice and just say a prayer with him. Check in on how he's doing. He checks in on how I'm doing. Like, get somebody and, and get to know somebody in our church community because not only does that help posture your heart and their heart, it also builds our church community. Yeah, it's beautiful. Number four, uh, consider adding a one-year Bible. That's what Laura got up here and held up. That was so great, Laura. I don't know where you're sitting. Um, that was so good. Um, but consider adding, if you've never done a one-year Bible, um, I've been doing this for a number of years. I, I don't always do it perfectly. In other words, sometimes I just read the New Testament and the, and the, um, the, the Psalm or the Proverb. If you don't think you can read the full one-year Bible, don't. Open it and read the Proverb. Like, here's some freedom here. How long is it going to take you to read the Proverb in the one-year Bible? Maybe less. Tony says five seconds. I mean, it is like, it's like two verses, like three, four, five seconds, Absolutely. So, but again, this is not something that you want to start and set your bar so high that you're going to feel like a failure and walk around with a big shame cloud on you for the next month. It's not the idea. Like, just pick something little that you can do and ask the Holy Spirit to be faithful to fan the flame and whatever you're able to give and surrender and whatever, then do it. Like, just do it. But consider adding um, either the whole one-year Bible or a portion of it, the Psalm or the Proverb or the New Testament or the whole thing. And then I think I would love, um, I'll, I'll end with a, a, a quote and, a, and then just a sharing. Um, Charles Spurgeon, uh, who I love, um, pastor that lived and pastored in London, um, he was reflecting on a time that his church did a corporate fast together. And, and here's what he said. It's at the bottom of your paper. Never have heaven's gates stood wider. Never have our hearts been nearer to the central glory of the Lord Jesus. Hear from my heart, I want our church to be a place 
where our hearts are postured with humility before God, with tenderness before God, where we are embracing, understanding, and seeing um, the glory of God, where we're experiencing heaven here in our midst, on earth, relationally with him, relationally with one another, and everything that that even means and encompasses. And I am convinced that if we as a group of believers, if we as a church, will give God a little bit in the next 21 days, the 8th to the 29th, and that's not magical either. You can go a few days earlier or a few days late. It doesn't really matter. But the idea is that if we could consistently, as a church, come together to fast and to pray and to seek God, I think he will do something powerful in our families, in our marriages, in our church, and in our city. Like, I really believe that. Yeah. I didn't ask them to clap. But what if we were reckless enough to go, let's give God the best of what we've got and ask him that he would transform our hearts and that he would show up in a powerful way in our lives. What if we did that together? Let's see what'll happen. Let's see what'll happen. So um, next week, we are going to jump um, back into the beginning of Acts. I think we're in Acts 2. We're actually journeying through the book of Acts together. We're going to be back at Rolling Grace um, indefinitely. These were these was a funny Sunday. They wouldn't let us in there because it's a holiday. Um, and I will make mention of this. It'll be on our YouTube, and you can access it. We'll even put this on our YouTube channel. Um, so I'll mention it next Sunday, but I'm not going to make an enormous deal of it. I'll pro we'll probably send it out by email and invite people to, to um, join us and to participate in it. But if you've never done this, I want to call you to think differently. Get out of the rut. Do something different. Break the mold. Um, if you're here or if you're online watching us and, and you've never given your life to Jesus and you're like, why would I fast? I would, I would encourage and even challenge you to ask God, Lord, if you're real, would you reveal yourself to me? And then take a risk. Fast. Open the Bible. Um, if you want to, contact us online or you want to come up and pray with me after this gathering. I would love to pray with you and lead you um, through a prayer where you acknowledge your sin and his lordship and ask him to come and live inside your heart. Supernatural transaction. Okay? I think that's it. That's amazing, isn't it? He doesn't have anything else to say. Uh, do do y'all have a closing song? Are you willing to do a closing song? Yeah? Let's have y'all come back up. We're a couple minutes early before our... Um, so let's close in a song. And let's, uh, let's just invite the Lord Jesus um, to form us and shape us more fully. Can we do that? Y'all know what we're going to sing? <laughs> I'm putting them on the spot, I guess. Um, so, but, but let's just, let's just open our hands. Um, let's stand up together and let's ask the Lord Jesus to meet us maybe in ways that he hasn't. If we have some people that are on the prayer team this morning that would just make themselves available. Um, and let's do this. We have some room over here and we have room way over there. If you're on the prayer team, maybe you could make yourself available on either side. Um, that way there's such a narrow spot up here in the front. Um, and if you've never given your life to King Jesus, I'd love to talk to you. Come up and grab me, and I'll lead you through a prayer. This God is real. This God loves you. This God wants to meet you, um, and he wants to lift you to experience joy and life abundant that maybe you've never experienced before. So join us as we fast. Let's worship the Lord, and I'll close in a prayer.
Father, I pray that as we head into a new year, that you would meet us in the here and now. Father, I pray that we as people would more fully grasp the depth and the height of your love. And Father, I pray as we journey with you in our own Jesus journey into this new year, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would surround us. Lord, would you convict us? Would you change us? Would you form us? And would you fill us with your spirit? Father, I pray that you would take each of us as people to new levels of surrender, to new levels also of intimacy with you, and new levels of unity and connectedness with the people we're journeying beside. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you that you love us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast of Saltbox Church. If this content was helpful to you, please like it, rate it, review it, and share it on social media, as that is helpful to us. We believe when a person grows in their own Jesus journey, everyone around them benefits and gets better.